Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. So on today's podcast, we have April Crosley. April, I really appreciate your time. And if you would like to follow along, because April has a pretty successful YouTube channel as well, and you can find all her corresponding links at aprilcrosley.us. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes as well as your YouTube channel, April. But April is got quite the story and we're probably going to start off with telling her background a little bit but teenage mom millionaire wealth grower rv lifer <laughs> and you're you're on a mission to wealth and changing lives and and it sounds like you used real estate to change your life so let's start there i did yeah i did so i had my son my son very young when i was 16 and i had to finish high school and then go to college. I was determined to, you know, provide a better life for him because when I had him, obviously I was very young. I didn't have those means and resources. So I ended up on welfare and kind of counting all of my food stamps at the grocery store to pay for my groceries. And I always tell people, I never want anyone to have to go through that feeling of like sitting in a welfare office and counting food stamps to make sure you can pay for your groceries. It's a horrible feeling, a horrible feeling. So I went to college and I got my degree in biology. Actually, I worked in healthcare for 13 years, like in trauma and intensive care and stuff with people on life support. And I picked up a book on real estate investing when I was actually in school to get my master's degree to further my healthcare education. And as soon as I started reading the book, I dropped out of my master's program because I was like, I'd rather learn about real estate. I mean, this stuff was fascinating to me like that someone else could live in a house and they were going to pay it off for me and I would get to keep the equity in it. I was like, why would somebody do that? At the same time, I was renting a house from my landlord (laughs) because I was not financially educated growing up. So I didn't know that you could buy a house. Like I just didn't, why would someone buy a house? I didn't understand that concept. So I had a lot to learn. So I worked in healthcare for 13 years and then started learning real estate on the side. Then just started flipping, got to the point where I was flipping enough that I could retire from quote unquote retire. All I did was retire from healthcare into real estate. And it led to from flipping to buying small multifamily to doing private lending, going through a very chaotic time of like working in my businesses and hating my life and having to learn that I just went from one job to another job, even though I worked for myself. So like, how do I get out of that? So I had to learn how to kind of get out of that and oversee my businesses. And that's what led to the actual freedom part of being able to travel around the United States in my RV for a year and a half. Prior to that, I was just kind of miserable working 80 hours a week in real estate. And I was like, I would rather go back to healthcare than do this. This is horrible. I thought it was like financial freedom. And I was getting the financial part. Like I get that. But I was like, where is the freedom? Like this does not, this this is like something fake people are talking about. So with the help of some coaches and mastermind groups, then I learned about how to achieve the freedom part. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really common for a lot of people, right? They, they jump into real estate investing to get this financial freedom and, and more times than not, I mean, we've just created another job. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. And I was miserable. Like I remember crying to my friend because I gave up my healthcare license because I was like, I don't want a safety net. So it's not like I could go back. Technology changes so fast. I couldn't even go back if I wanted to with what I was doing in my healthcare career. And I was like, I had more freedom when I worked the job and was just like collecting a paycheck. And my friend was just brutally honest and was like, you don't have to quit real estate. You just need how to learn how to do it better. And I think you need help, like you need a coach. So that was the best decision I ever made. That and learning how to become a private lender, because that's where true financial freedom lies, like getting the returns of real estate, also investing in real estate and not having to do all the things like you have to do with flipping and holding rentals. So, well, let's start where you made the decision to to make the jump. Like yeah. at what point did you decide, okay, I'm I'm either making more money in my real estate than my my current job or that this was something that you wanted to kind of go all in? Yeah, I think it was a kind of the colliding of two worlds. Like I was making just as much in real estate as I was my full-time job. And my full-time job in healthcare just was going downhill. Healthcare in general just had changed. It was very much about a business, not about really helping patients anymore. So I was getting disgusted with the field itself. At the same time that I was consistently making money for three years in a row, I was consistently making the same amount of money flipping houses that I was in healthcare. Honestly, I didn't really think about quitting healthcare, but my husband just like saw how miserable I was. And he was like, every day you have to go into the hospital, you pretty much want to cry. And he's like, do you know, you make just as much money flipping houses. So if you want to leave, just leave, like just leave healthcare. So I was like, yeah, why am I torturing myself like this? So I did, I left healthcare. Yeah. So when you jumped to just full-time real estate investing, I know you were making an equivalent amount of money at that time. Did you see an increase in your income because of that change in focus? No, (laughs) you think I would. Not immediately. I think because for the first year, I was kind of like in this depressed fog. Like you think it's going to be so exciting because you're leaving. And it was exciting, but you go through this shift of like your your family not understanding, like, what do you mean you left your this career you paid this college degree for and all this? And then losing all your friends and that camaraderie, like I worked with a whole group of people and they were like my friends, and now we had nothing in common anymore at all. Like nothing. <laughs> I'm building wealth and doing real estate. And I didn't have a lot of real estate friends. So I feel like for the first year and a half, I definitely did not feel like I was making, I was still making that same consistent amount, but I wasn't really making any more because I I feel like I was kind of just lost and had to get myself out of that, you know, into a more positive place. Sure. Yeah. So when you said when you finally bit the bullet and, and took and got that coaching you were you were looking for there. What was some of the first things that they suggested you you tackle? Yeah. So when I hired my coach, and my biggest regret is not having a coach forever. <laughs> I wish someone would have 
really stress the importance of that to me or not even stress it that I could have seen it and could have been ready for it. But when I hired my coach, literally the first meeting I went to, I had to stand up in front of the room and give them a rundown on my business and where my pain points were. And when I was done, they were just like, why are you working by yourself? Like, what, what are you doing? This is like way too much for one person to scale or grow or do more. Like, why don't you have a business partner? I don't know. There was no answer to that. It wasn't like, I don't want to share my wealth with anyone. I just couldn't think big enough because I wasn't around people thinking big enough. So they were like, you need to, you need to bring on a partner that can help you so that you can scale. And it was like this light bulb went off. And I was literally on the phone with someone asking them the partner before I was even on the plane to get back to my home state from my mastermind meeting. Met with that person twice, partnered up. And then that was like, that was like a level up in my real estate business where I realized, wow, if I really want to grow and do this seriously as a business owner, I have to have more people on my team. So, you you know, you, you, I want to take a moment and just talk a little bit about the concept here that when you hired that coach, was there any kind of moment where you were like, mm, this seems to be too expensive? Like, is this going to be worth it? Like, talk a little bit about the apprehension you might have experienced in making that in making that investment. I'm going to call it an investment because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people see the coaching and mentorship as an expense versus an investment. Mm-hmm. I love that you asked that because <laughs> I feel like it, it it is an investment. And even sometimes today, I catch myself saying like, oh my gosh, I can't afford that coach. I don't want that expense of that coach. I caught myself saying it the other day and my husband called me out and he's like, is it or are you investing in yourself? Like you set aside money to invest in yourself. So use that money to invest in yourself and hire another coach. So when I First, it, yes, I was like, this is this is a big investment. It was like twenty or twenty five thousand dollars or something for a year, and I thought, this is crazy. Am I crazy? And I interviewed four different coaches, but I'll tell you what: when I talked to the coach that I hired, it was like clearest day. Like we just clicked. Like I have to hire this guy. It was really tell me your pain points in your business. And I'm going to tell you if I can help you. And if I can't help you, I don't want you to join my coaching program. He wasn't trying to sell me on anything. He was just like, tell me what you need. And then I would tell me, he'd be like, I'm not BSing you like you're a good fit. And here is why. And here is how we're going to help you come to the first meeting and let's see how you like it. And after that first meeting, I was like, this is it. Like I'm all in. It was great. Yeah. But I did have apprehension I think that's normal. Like lots of people have that. And it's really like a mindset shift. But I also tell people you have to find the right coach. So you'll know when you know, like you'll have that feeling here of like, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. So what what I think is really interesting out of everything you just said there is that is part of your budgeting plans now is that you set aside money to invest in yourself like this? Yeah. So I do what I call like the bucket method where I take my profit and I split it up into buckets. And one of those buckets I call FFA. It's a financial freedom account. And it's 10% of everything I make goes into a financial freedom account. And I'm only allowed to use that account for investing. So for the longest time, I was like, that means either putting money down on a property or investing in whatever, some kind of investment. But like, 
I still couldn't make that connection. Like investing in a coach is an investment. Like <laughs> this is this is an investment. This is what you can use your financial freedom account for. Why I didn't make that connection sooner? I'm not sure. But as soon as my husband called me out on it, I was like, yeah, I do have this account and it is an investment. I should use that. And I'm, I tell people that all the time. You have to, even if you separate out your buckets into like 5% to an education account, and 10% of financial freedom. And then that education account pays for coaching. But I truly believe everyone should have those buckets. People tend to just like bring in their income and then they're spending it. They're set aside money for taxes, but they're not doing what a lot of people call paying yourself first. What does that mean? What does that mean? Like people talk about and no one breaks it down. It's like, put money aside to invest first, put money aside to invest in your education. And then pay your taxes and pay your other bills, but like set some money aside first. Is this a system that you learned from someplace else or is this something that you've kind of adopted? Yeah, no, I learned it from going to this conference. Like I read this book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Horbecker. And there were tickets in there for like a free or like $99 two-day conference. So I'm like, what the heck? I'll go to this conference and just see what they say. And they talked about it at this conference. They were like, you... They did this whole talk about people who aren't good with their money or aren't financially educated and how you should break down your paycheck into buckets. And that's where I learned it from. Yeah. The, the reason I ask is because I've had a fellow on called, my, his name is Mike Michalowicz. He, did, he wrote the oh, yeah. Profit, Profit, Profit First. First. Yeah. And, and, they, and he talks about this. And, and they recently released a book for real estate, real estate investors too. Yeah. And, but you've taken it a step further. I've, I haven't thought of, and it makes perfect sense is to dedicate a bucket for this self-investment. Yeah. 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 That's really awesome. Yeah. So, so you, for the most part now, it sounds like at least at first, most of your real estate investing was focused on fix and flipping. Is that still the case today? It's not. No, that was like just what I learned first and what I did in the beginning. And then we bought small multifamilies, like two units, four units, eight units, stuff like that. And then I learned about private lending from another private lender. So I've used private money since 2004 when I first started and then slowly started learning more about it. And then I had meetings with different people I thought might want to be private lenders. And one of them said to me, like, what are you doing with your old retirement accounts from the hospital? And I was like, I don't know. And they're like, why don't you put them in a self-directed IRA? And I was like, I don't know. Again, like I'm talking to people that doing it, but it's not clicking for me. I must be just like a little slow with this stuff. <laughs> so then I opened a self-directed IRA and started private lending. And that led to me private lending for my self-directed IRA, private lending from personal funds. And now we do like a little bit of everything. So we'll, I'll raise capital sometimes for apartment buildings. We'll co-GP on apartment buildings. I just bought a mobile home park. We're really focused more on like small multifamily and partnering on multifamily. We still have a fix and flip company. I have a fix and flip company. I'm a little removed from it because I have partners in it now, which is super nice. We don't necessarily fix and flip a lot. We do a lot of like buying the house, cleaning out, and we stick it right back on the market. The market's just crazy right now. Hmm. And if we don't have to work with contractors, we don't want to. So we do a lot of wholetailing, as they call it, <laughs> yeah. to avoid that part. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny you bring that up because if we do anything like that too, it's pretty much that wholetail method at this point yeah. right now, just because taking advantage of the market is so so vital right now. And yeah. then in part in my world, it's it's 
we're we're on the verge of spring. You know, I'm 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 near Fargo, North Dakota. Snow on the ground. Yeah. Everybody is just like cabin fever. Like yeah. you, can, you can actually sense it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so going back to your coaching a little bit and and investing in yourself. At what point did you notice a noticeable difference to your income and scaling when yeah. you took advantage of that? I would say like within like three months. It takes a while to put systems in place and ideas in place and really get your stuff together with your marketing, kind of what your partner's going to do and what you're going to do and dividing responsibilities and getting in a groove with working with each other. But I would say probably within a quarter, like within three, four months, I saw a significant difference just in we were really tracking where deals were coming from, stuff I'd never really done before. It's kind of marked it in wherever I got deals from, I got deals from. And now I'm like actually tracking my numbers. And my partner's really good at like sales and talking to sellers. So pretty much right away. Yeah. Sure. So like, uh, did you define roles, wrote, sat down, wrote it? Did you have that initial awkward conversation? I think they, they actually say you either have to have that awkward conversation with the partner up front, or you will eventually have to have an awkward conversation. You know, it's interesting. We didn't really, I mean, we have, we probably met three times before we decided like, yeah, let's join forces on this flip business together. But I had worked with her previously, like when I was flipping houses, I was just flipping houses. So I would get leads for properties I didn't want. They were in areas I didn't really care about. And I would just send her the address and I'd be like, hey, here's this address. I don't want it. Do whatever you want with it and just pay me a fee. No tracking, no contracts with her, no nothing. She was just super trustworthy. She would wholesale it, which I wasn't doing any wholesaling. She would wholesale it. And then she'd be like, hey, here's your fee. Like my fee would just show up. I'm like, damn, this girl is trustworthy. Like, so then when I met with her about partnering, I was like, you know, I don't wholesale. So I'd like to start wholesaling, but I need your help. And I'm not sure what our roles are going to look like, but I want you to come to my mastermind meeting with me so that we can learn together. So my mastermind coach let her come with me as my business partner because they were like, hello, you need to bring someone on with you. (laughs) And then we just started going to the meetings together and implementing everything together. Now we have pretty defined roles because we've worked together for almost three or four years. So we recognize each other's strengths. But I knew when I brought her on, she had strengths that I did not have. Like she's very good at systems and processes. And I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever, you know. <laughs> and I'm really good at like the marketing side. So I knew we were going to balance each other well. Did you find that as you were bringing in a partner and did you bring it eventually bring in some other employees as well? Did you, did you find it hard to let certain things go? I did not, especially not with the flip business. It's my least favorite business. I don't like it. My business partner's way better at it than I am. So we have like, we have another acquisitions manager now and we have a VA that we work with out of Columbia and she actually oversees all of them. Like she, my partner's very, very good at that. I do. The only thing I find difficult to let go is the marketing because I feel like if the marketing doesn't happen or it gets screwed up, that really like, well, can offset my whole lead flow for months, months. So I have not let that go yet. I need to let that go. It's consuming too much of my time. I need to be putting into other things. I just, I have to figure out how to let that go. That's next on my plate. Yeah. Sure. So as, as you've been developing 
your company as a business now. Um, mm-hmm. What is one of the biggest mistakes you've you've made so far? Hmm. Yeah, I just think in hindsight, my biggest mistakes I've made are one, not partnering in the first place. And then two, when you bring people on, putting people in positions that aren't a good fit for them. Like I used to want to like help people just because I knew them or they were in my life. So like, yeah, come work in my business. You can't work like that. So I feel like I brought someone on into a role I shouldn't have and they failed at it. And that was my fault because I didn't do personality testing on them. I didn't make sure they were a good fit for that role. I didn't know them well enough. So now before I open my mouth to someone about, hey, yeah, you should work with me. I'm looking for someone in this role. I just take time to observe them, have lunch with them, meet them, talk to them, not say anything about any role or anything, just kind of like mesh my life into theirs a little bit to get to know what makes them tick better and then personality test them and then see if they're a fit. And when we personality test them, if they're not, not being afraid to say they're not a fit for this role. I used to be afraid to say that. Now I'm not afraid to say that anymore. Yeah. 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 yeah, That's, that's exactly right. You're not doing them a favor. You're not doing your business a favor if it's not a fit. Because they're going to fail. And as the leader of the ship, it's your fault. Like it's your fault when your team fails and isn't performing. So, so has there been anything like a decision or a tactic that you've implemented that came from your coaching or what have you, that was a, a surprisingly small change, but made a huge difference? Oh yeah. I think just even like something I learned from my coaching that I now implemented in all my businesses is just morning meetings. Like we hold a 15 minute morning meeting in our flip business just to make sure me, the acquisitions managers, VA, everyone's on the same page. We run through all the deals that are in the pipeline that we're working on real quick for 15 minutes every meeting. So morning. So I'm like, in my multifamily business, I need to be doing that with like my project manager. And you just have to take time like in the morning to reflect and make sure everyone on your team is like on track and you're all rowing in the same direction. It seems so simple. But when people come to me and they're like, I don't know, I just don't know if my acquisitions manager is really doing what they should do or if this person is doing what they should do. I'm like, that's because you're not communicating. Like you should just have a quick, even if it's with your assistant, a quick 15 minute meeting every morning. Here's what we're working on today. We're all rowing in the same direction. Boom. It's just a very simple task. Right. No, that that makes a lot of sense. So I always like to give people some very actionable things, you know, and I got a lot of, I got a lot of people that listen to this show that are relatively new to real estate investing. Can you give them like a a tip or strategy that you think they should implement right away that uh, might be a blind spot for them? Yeah, so many. I could give a billion. (laughs) (laughs) I think for newbies, like the biggest things are one, get consistent with your marketing, like consistent. Like I order, I tell people I order our mail every Sunday evening. I cannot sleep on a Sunday night if I did not order my mail Sunday evening. That's how important it has to be to you. Like your marketing has to be done consistently. If you're not doing mail and it's cold calling or it's something else, get yourself on a strict schedule and don't let yourself skip it. The name of the game right now is finding deals. Everybody's looking for deals. Honestly, you don't have to know how to do anything else. You don't have to know how to talk to the seller. 
You don't have to know where the money's going to come from. You don't have to know anything. You have to know how to find deals. That's what you have to know. Any like joint mentoring is the quickest way to make money. So if a newbie would come to me and be like, hey, I'm doing marketing. If I come across something, would you talk to this seller? And then can we joint venture? Hell yes. Like deals are everything right now. I'll bring the money. We'll figure it out. We'll do a partnership split. Don't just market consistently. Yeah. The only pushback I would have on that is that what I have heard is a, a lot of real estate coaches, if you will, that have, have that said, talk about finding the deal first. Unfortunately, I've run into some people that have found the deal and then they've never taken a moment to find out if there's a real estate investing meetup in their area or a RIA group or, or at least some place in order to make that next step. And now they have a deal and then they're locked. They don't know what to do with it. Agree. Agree. So they kind of, I guess, go hand in hand. Like you have to have that person you're going to take it to. And the fastest route to that is typically who in your area has the We Buy Houses cash website, who is running the local meetup, because they have a pretty large reputation on the line. If they're like, I'll tell newbies that come to me, they'll be like, well, how do I know you're actually going to like split the deal with me? I'm like, you're bringing me a deal. I run a meetup group in the area with over 1600 members. Like, if I don't give you money from this deal or it doesn't, something happens or you think I'm being shady, then go put me on blast on Facebook. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to my reputation. So yeah, it kind of goes hand in hand. It's finding both. So, yeah. so as you've been, you know, since 16 years old, you've been, you've been working your way into real estate investing and you've kind of, I'm, I think I'd be safe to say that you've probably, this is all new information to you. What have you now been imparting onto your your kid regarding this? How, what lessons have you been teaching him, and yeah. to maintain this generational wealth you're trying to to build? Oh yeah. So for my son, just lived in a completely different life than when I lived in growing up. But I didn't start learning about real estate till I was like in my late twenties, early thirties. So you know, I had him when I was sixteen. So he's a little bit older than. By that time, but he saw me go through the transition of leaving my healthcare job, working on my own, traveling around the United States in an RV. And he's like, what the heck? Like, I want to travel around the United States in an RV and like work remotely. I'm like, real estate, invest in real estate. From the time he had a job and he's had a job since he was like 15 or 16 years old, I taught him the bucket method. No one taught me the bucket method. My husband taught him how to invest in stocks. No one taught me how to invest in stocks. He's been to projects like when we've been placing tenants and doing rehabs, like he's seen all the real estate things like we've been showing him. And just from like larger viewpoint on things, I've lived in a very small world. I feel like growing up my son, as my son was growing up, like he went on a mission trip to Kenya, Africa. He went on a mission trip to when they had Hurricane Katrina down in Mississippi and Louisiana. And my son has seen things and have seen people that are have nothing and are living with nothing. So he is extremely grateful. He's extremely grateful. And I feel like you have to have this balance of like you're growing wealth and you're teaching your kids how to grow wealth, but you have to teach them to appreciate that and not squander it. Okay. Like you're not a spoiled brat that gets to just squander your money. My son is very giving and loving and loves to help others. And I don't think he will ever squander wealth because he's been 
in Kenya. And because he's been on mission trips to Mississippi, so he's seen people that have either lost everything or have grown up with nothing that are like walking miles just to fill buckets with water for their families. That's had a massive impact on him. So I tell people, you need, you need to let your kids go. Like, go experience the world. When my son came to me at 18 and was like, I want to drive across country with my friend, I was like, I, like, as a mom, and am I worried? Yes. But you need to go see how people live, and you need to see what it costs to do this. So you go do that. Like, go have fun, be safe, check in with me. People, you can't, like, shelter your kids. I was so sheltered. I had no clue what was going on in the world around me. So I feel like he will not squander his wealth. And he's very good with his money because we've been teaching him how to be good with his money from the time he started making money. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. So with this now, I mean, it's obvious that you've helped quite a few people. They're probably seeking you out now. You have a successful YouTube channel. They're probably seeking you out for some mentorship and, and assistance. Do you have a story regarding one of those people that you've helped to like turn around their lives? Yeah, I mean, I've helped a lot of people. It's been really awesome. I think just my business partner alone, it just is super cool to see. She was wholesaling, but working full time. I was flipping houses. And when I came to her to partner, she did not quit her job right away. Like it took her a year to leave her job. So I'm kind of saying, you know, do this with me. No promises. Don't know if you'll be able to leave your job, but she did end up being able to leave her job. She can work from home. She has two kids. She's taking her kids to Disney this November, which is like bucket list dream for her. She's like, when I was younger, my mom always told me that they would take us to Disney and they never could because they had no money. So she is learning how to grow wealth. I mean, and I've had students that I've mentored that same thing, like are in healthcare, have been able to leave their job and they're just flipping houses or owning rentals full time. And to be able to give people that freedom and that choice that they can, a lot of them have little kids and they can stay home with their little kids. It's massive. Like, And I never had that. So I think it's super impactful for me to be able to do that for people. Because when my son was little, I was going to school full-time, working full-time, doing all these things because I was so young. And that's just the path that I had to be on. I had no money. So I think I wasn't a mom that was like, oh, I get to work from home and my kids are at home. This is so great. I spend so much time with them. I tell my son all the time, you did not grow up with a normal mom and a normal life. Like eight years old, my son was doing his own laundry. Directions on the washer and dryer. Here's how you do your laundry. He had to. Like we were, all we had was each other. We had no other choice. Like you have to be independent at a very young age. So it means a lot to me when I can help people retire from their job like early and have that, even if it's to another job of flipping houses or owning rentals, just to have that freedom, time freedom with their kids has been awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I can't thank you enough. Just to remind everybody, April Crosley dot us i'll make sure to have that link in the show notes there's a lot of links and and check out the youtube channel i think you can find april's youtube channel just with her name april crosley but before i let you go april is there a question or a concept or thought that you, you wish we would have covered here no i don't think so just 
Private money scaling, private money partnering, and finding deals is how you're going to scale. Those are the things that I tell people. Focus on those things. Yeah. No, I really appreciate your time, April. I hope you'll come back sometime. This was a great conversation. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.